0: So we're recording. Um, and just if you want to mute yourself, just that saves bandwidth. And it's my cool summer move from the movie, which they just sold the rights to so it is going to be streaming. Um, that's kind of cool for me, maybe not anybody else. Um, and I found out a couple other things about a couple other projects. But let, today I said, why are you stuck? You know, that was the question I put out there. and. You know, and one of the things I've been harping on lately, because a lot of people do, is, sorry for the glare, who are you, right? Well, you are your habits, a lot of people say. Your habits make up who you are. If you have good habits, you'll develop. That'll become who you are. You know, if you eat right, you exercise and do some other things, that'll be, that'll be the kind of person you are. If you're all of those kind of things. So what about your habits? So then it would make sense that if you want to change, if you're stuck, maybe you need to change your habits, right? And that's one thing the hypnosis and the NLP community is known for, right? That we can help people change habits. And I believe that to a point, because my evidence to the contrary is I'm around a lot of hypnotists, NLPers and therapists, and they have a lot of bad habits, right? And they can't seem to shake it. You see it year after year after year, you know, and... People kind of get upset when I say, Why are there so many fat hypnotists and personal coaches? Right. Um, But you know, you could, you could, you could, you know, you could argue with the evidence, but I see the evidence when I'm walking around conferences and things like that. So that, you know, uh, so you are your habits. So why can't we change our habits? Right. And a lot of us in our field help other people change all the time. We learn the skills. A lot of us came into this field backwards that's the general idea and what I mean by that is you went to a hypnotist or you got exposed to hypnosis and it it helped change you in some way shape or form you know you stopped smoking you lost weight you, you changed some behaviors you overcome a relationship whatever it was and then you go this is really cool stuff I want to learn it to help other people that's great that's great that's kind of in our in our DNA And so then you go learn it to help other people. And you do. You help other people. Maybe even with the problem you used to have. But now you're stuck. And you can't shake that stuck state. You know, it could be based in you picked up the bad habits again. Maybe you started smoking. Maybe you went back to overeating. Whatever it was, you know, whatever the bad habits are, they come back. And usually I say, now the magic doesn't work on you right? You, 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 you you know, first of all, it's in the Western world, more, well, just about everywhere. No one wants to ask for help, right? It's a, you know, there's a great commercial. It's for one of the new apps or something they're trying to get people to take, you know, to get therapy and shows the guy bench pressing, right? And there's too much weight on it and he can't lift it, right? And it's, he's starting to choke and he's struggling. And the guy goes, dude, you want some help? Just ask. And he goes, No, I'm fine. I got this. Because it's okay, you can ask for help. And he goes, No, I got this. And the guy says, again, it's okay to ask for help. And he goes, you don't know my family. (laughs) I think that's a brilliant, brilliant commercial because it's that means that that's the way the guy was raised, right? He can't ask for help. And what happens in our field is we carry that with us. And now, okay, I'm stuck. First of all, you don't want to ask for help, right? Yeah, that's why I've said for 20 years, if you have a personal coach or a mentor and they don't have a personal coach or a mentor, run! Run, right? They should have some kind of personal coach or mentor themselves. In the martial arts, it's always said, you know, if you have a master, you should know who your master is, who your master's master is, who taught them, do they still study, do they still do things, right? and if they get to that level where they're at the absolute top of the game, do they have um, colleagues that they share with, that they place on that plane with them? You know, and I see in our field a lot. I always take it the inventory of the hypnosis NLP field. Once some people hit this level, it's like nope, nobody's nope, nope, no nope, nope, nobody can help me. Right. I'm above all this, you know, so you ask them, are you taking it? No, no. You know, they're the ones you see at a conference. They never go into anybody's class. They never do anything. They're sitting like that. So I think that's in it, our it things. So now the magic doesn't work, but you're stuck. So you go to a conference or you go to a seminar um, or you get a book, whatever it is you do, take a class online, whatever it happens to be. And And like, let's say you go to a conference, and there's a few things in there that like, on let's say you're, since what I'm kind of pushing right now is this weight loss thing. So let's say you put on some pounds, so you go, I'm going to go to this, these few things on like weight loss. And so you walk in the seminar, and rather than let it work on you, you're analyzing it. You know, that's the paradox of knowledge, you have knowledge. So you're analyzing, you're thinking about it, you're like, why are they doing this? I wouldn't do that. I would do this. You know uh, that won't work for me. So you analyze it and it doesn't work, or you start taking copious notes on how you can help other people with this material. So rather than do it first on you, the old that's one reason I like NLP is if you if it's taught right, you see the demo, then you do it and have it done to you, right? And then you move on. But now you're at a conference. A lot of the conferences, it's it. it They don't give you that time to actually experience it. Like, here, go do the demo, right? And I also see it when, like, I've been in conferences, and I'll teach something, and I'll give the technique. I'll demo and say, okay, go do it. A third of the people will never do the demo, will never do the experience. And I sometimes I'll call them out, like, why are you doing it? Oh, okay, I'm fine. You know? So what... You know, and then they'll walk out and go. Ah, that, I don't know if that that technique or anything would really work. So anyway, that's going on. So you have that paradox of knowledge. So you stay stuck in your habits, right? So how do you change this, right? And I all I'm really going back to something I've always said, which is a lot of this boils down to your you know your self-image. Right? So then the thing would be, well, if you change your habits, they should change your self-image, and your self-image should change your habits. I believe that, right? So then what stops people from changing their habits and or their, their self-image? Right. And of course there's seminars, there's workshops, and usually everybody has a magic bullet. Uh but it doesn't seem to work. That's all I keep going defaulting to. And I always kind of, I've said lately that there's usually only three reasons why you're stuck, right? While you're in failure or why you're stuck, right? which is number 1 you need more there's info you need right this is where we're trained as a as a culture right so you're constantly searching for the magic bullet the right info if i get the right info the right technique the right book the right class the right seminar everything will fall into place right so it's where that way we're trained right so we're constantly looking for this info Right, but the problem is, if you're self-sabotaging, even if you go to the seminar that's giving you the info you need, like on marketing or this or that or the other thing, you're going to sabotage it to the point it doesn't matter. Right, you're gonna—it's just not going to go in. You're not going to do it. Right, but we're stuck here looking for this. You know, I, I talked about this was last week, week ago or so. I've talked about it several times, and whenever I Post it, I'll get a couple of emails or phone calls. Well, what class should I take? What book should I? So they're still stuck here. And I'm like, you know, if you've been around this field for a little while, there's a plethora of options that you could take. And, you know, like now we're bombarded, and I always make fun of it. I'll show you how to get high ticket clients. I'll teach you the magic script to get this. I'll do that. And I'm not saying those courses are crap. They're probably crap. But even if they're not, if you sabotage before you get in there, it's not gonna work, right? As opposed to the people that don't have that self-sabotage, they go to one of those seminars or click funnels or or or, or info share, one of those big things that they teach how to do. They implement it and it actually works, right? Right. So they went and got the info, right? My bird screaming, that's okay, right? So that's the first reason. The second reason is, Right, if, if you have the info, you know what to do, but you're not doing it. Hypnotists and NLPers and coaches fall here a lot. They know what to do, they're not doing it. Right? They're. This just this happened, right? And and I think it's funny. I I like to laugh.ing Yeah, I was at a conference. It will remain nameless. Somebody's talking about oh they need to lose weight they packed on some weight during COVID actually I heard it in both conferences I was at recently right and I'm like okay I can relate to that you know COVID lockdown da 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 da, da. yeah I don't know what to do you know and they're standing there with literally a a couple of donuts right and a coffee that I watched them put a lot of sugar in and I'm like hmm interesting. I didn't say anything, right? I got it. I didn't say it, but it's like, yeah. So it's like they know what to do, but they're not doing it, right? Well, I'm, I, I would normally eat healthy, but it's a conference, so it's special. Well, this goes back to your habits and your habits are who you are. If you eat healthy, it doesn't matter if you're at a conference or on a cruise, you're going to eat healthy. If your habit is exercise, you're going to exercise at a conference, on a cruise, on a vacation, or anything else. Right? If that becomes part of who you are, then the, that's going to go through. So a lot of us get stuck here. They know what to do, but they're not doing it. Right? I'm guilty of this. I'll, I'll admit this. I know what to do. I know I need to post a couple of times a day, and I know I need to do this, and I know I need to do that. And I'll do it most of the time, but then when it falls apart, I know what I need to do, but I'm not doing it. Does that make sense to everybody? Right? So obviously, I'm self-sabotaging in there somewhere. You know, this is where the self-sabotage starts, and then it also goes to here, where what you what what you do used to work, but no longer works. Now a lot of us are stuck here in the current world because everything's changing so quickly. You know, what worked pre-COVID may not work post-COVID, right? What worked uh, definitely a decade ago, it's out of date. Right? It's so you got to keep up. So, what you used to do no longer works, but now you're not willing. So, the self sabotage goes, you can just keep doing what you're doing harder. Right? So, you're going to try to do it harder. If I do it harder, it'll be strong. That's the American way, right? You know, we'll just throw more money at the problem. We'll do this, it'll fix the thing. Right. And it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Right. So then we do a, whatever techniques that we do. Whatever techniques that we do. My lovely wife is going to come by here. She's going to try to shut the bird up. That's a losing proposition. Right. <clears throat> uh, I don't even care anymore. You know. Uh, me and the bird are now bros. He's my bird bro. We work out together. This morning I was doing some typo and I, he was in the cage and he actually kept lifting his leg when I was doing stuff. You know, it was actually kind of interesting to watch. Right. So anyway, but so what you're doing no longer works, but you're you're self-sabotaging, where maybe the answer here, excuse me, will be to go back up here and get new information. Right. But you won't even admit that you need new information. So you keep self-sabotaging. Right. And so you do some of the tricks and that. And then, you know, I'm getting a lot of, you know, since I announced that I'm taking on private clients again, I'm getting people to call and I'm starting to work with them and I'm, you know, uh, and doing some stuff. And it's like fascinating. Right. What? Why we get stuck. Right. And so I do. I try to do research, believe it or not, because I believe all research is me search. Because you probably haven't, you know, there's something that touches you. That that's why you want to go find out about it. When you look at like the people that go and they're studying cancer or Alzheimer's and you start talking to them, they'll mention their mother had it, their grandmother or this or that, you know? So it's, you have a vested interest in it, right? So, so why do people get stuck? Why can't they change their self-image by changing their habits? Well, it's because they're stuck, right? And so you do whatever it is, you behavior generator, you do the, uh, maybe incantations, where you, which people don't get when you do these incantations, which I'm going to talk about today, by the way, right? They've got to be done with emotion and power, and it it, it has to help reprogram your inner dialogue. That's what it's all about. It's not about to get you to make working with someone, you know, a specific thing, right? It's about your it's about changing this who you are. But what if? What if? So you got all this trauma in your in your in your thing, so you try to remove your trauma from your childhood or or significant events in your life, right? And it works a little bit, but you're still stuck. What if there's something else going on? What if there's something else going on? Right? I'll just leave you with that and we'll know. Uh, there was a study done. And it's a cool study. And it had to do with rats because we torture rats. That's what we do. And they took the rats and they trained them that, I forget the, 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 the scent, the, the odor that they it with. but it's one that usually makes rats go like, yes, I'm gonna, you know, it's like sweet, it's like a fruity smell. You can just imagine, you could take like mangoes or or something like that, that rats go crazy over. And I can tell you that personally, because we have a mango tree. And when the mangoes, we get a heavy mango crop and the mangoes start falling, we get squirrels and raccoons and and uh, fruit rats come out, right? Which is real common in Florida. So that's in their in their DNA. It's like whoa, smell food, right? Fruit. It's what they're gonna eat. Well, what they did, they took the rats and they would it's put the let the scent go and or put it put the food in there. But to get to the food, there was a shock plate, right? A massive shock plate. So it didn't take long for the rats to develop the aversion to the smell, right? All they had to do, all you had to do was present like the fruit or the smell and the rats would back up or run away, right? Even when they took the shock plate out, right? The rats were like, nope, they've been trained. They're not gonna cross that Rubicon and cross and get the shock. It becomes a learned behavior, if you will. Does it make sense to everybody? And once it's settled in, it's like the whole thing about habits. It doesn't take that long. It's in their brain that, okay, they smell that, their brain clicks. Oh, my God, shock. They're, they're suddenly on, on edge. Okay, great. Great. But what they found was kind of interesting. The offspring of those rats had the same aversion. Right? They had the same aversion. So even though the, the babies born had never, you know, been on a shot plate, it wasn't in there, those rats, the offspring of those rats and the grand offspring of those rats, many of them kept that fear of that smell, which should have activated them to wanna to go eat. Does so that make sense to everybody, All right. So what if, ladies and gentlemen, distinguished colleagues, right? What if what's stopping us is intergenerational trauma? Right? What if that's what's affecting us? It got passed down to our DNA, right? Because you're the sum total of thousands and thousands of generations. For good, bad, or indifferent, if you're sitting here where a lot of gene pools died off, right? So you're here. So whatever that was might have been good for one, you know, at one moment. The example I have, a lot of us in the last, you know, few decades, we get into like, you know, the law of attraction and the metaphysical thinking and, you know, wanting to get to attract things to us. Right? Right. Right. But what if you were raised by it, your, your parents, or definitely people on this call, if not your parents, your grandparents, right? Lived through a couple of things like the Great Depression and World War II, right? Which scarcity was true. Right? Yes, you could even argue, well, intellectually, yes, there was a lot of fortunes made during the Great Depression but you also had soup lines and people starving to death the dust bowl you know the farm shutting down in the south where my family was from right so what if those parents and or grandparents that got set in that there's a scarcity mindset right right and if you go back a few generations it doesn't take too long right you go back a few generations Um, If you pissed off the king, you got executed, right? You pissed off the royal family or your baron or wherever you happen to be, you got executed, right? So it got passed down a genetic pool that do not draw attention to yourself, right? Yeah. And you hear like, well, the tall poppies get cut down or the tall weeds get cut down, so it gets passed on. So now maybe you're about to break through to the next level, but you have an intergenerational thing of, no, if I do that, they're going to kill me. Right? And this is in your DNA. It's beyond even just a, you know, we saw our own trauma. It gets caught, you know, it gets in our polyvagal nerve, right? I think, you know, according to, um, what's his name? Anyway, his name just fell out of my head. Stefan Porges. Porges. And... There's a few other, but anyway, you need to clear out that polyvagal nerve because it's beyond your consciousness. There are no words for this, right? If it's a true trauma like that, there's no, because again, how do you describe the undescribable, right? How do you explain the unexplainable? It's just a nervous system response that was put in there to keep you alive, right? So there's that. But now what if it's even beyond that, that some of this gets put into your into your DNA, so to speak. Right. And again, it was a survival mechanism that worked a few, a few generations ago, right, that you had to hoard your food, you couldn't share, you know, you didn't want to stand out. Right. And so now you're, you're trying to make these changes to change your self image to do whatever you have to do. But you start sabotaging yourself, because it goes against this level. Right of that intergenerational trauma. Right, and again, um, there's all kinds of examples, but one would be, let's say, as much as we like to think, it was probably a hallmark moment, hallmark moment when your when your mom told your dad that she was pregnant with you. You know, you hope there was a hallmark moment of, oh my God, I'm so happy and there's champagne and there's, we go out and we go on a celebration when maybe the response was, how did this happen? This is gonna kill us. We can't afford it. Not now. Right? Does, Does that make sense? Could you see that happening? You know, maybe those of us that have kids, you know, it's not that they didn't love you. If that was the initial response, your dad or your, you know, whatever, or even the mom when she found out she's pregnant, you know, again, we hope it was a Hallmark movie where, oh my God, he's so happy, wouldn't there? What if they're devastated? You know, did that get passed down into the, you know, into the energy of the baby that was forming? right, long before there's words, right, I'm a burden, as one guy calls, it's the, it's the guilt of existence, you have the guilt of existence, if you have that underlined, you think you will sabotage any and all success you may be going for, you know, I was thinking about this a couple years ago, even, because I I wrote a book, because I started thinking about it, it's like, Why is it like sons of wealthy people, sons and daughters of wealthy people, and or royalty, have a tendency to be higher achievers, right? And throw out like, yes, maybe they had connections and a start, but could it be it was in their genetic code? You know, that this is what we do. You know, this is how we act. This is what we expect. Right, and it, and it could be like the, the 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 royalty or the sons and daughters of the wealthy things like this, right? Then it you know it's like it's fascinating stuff when you begin to look at it, right? And even like in the military, if you get a military family, uh, it's just you know like why did you join the military? How do you not join the military? Right? If it, if you everybody in your family was in, it's like well it just. Even if you don't have to go, you end up going. You know, my family kind of has that, right? And I remember um, an interview with John McCain, and that's what he talked about. People, always, well, you know, you're, you know, about what how he ended up. And he goes, well, you know, his great grandfather was a general. His grandfather was the admiral in World War II that ran the Pacific parts of the Pacific War. His dad was in charge of the the Pacific Fleet during Vietnam. It's like He's like, I didn't really have much of an option. You know, it's like this was just what we do in our family. And then when you look, you know, one, one or two of his sons went to the naval academy, and one just out of nowhere joined the Marine Corps as an enlisted guy because it was in their DNA. And they succeed, they do quite well in the military. And John Quaint, John McCain did quite well, even though by his own admission, he wasn't a very good student at the Naval Academy. Because he'd say, you know, if it wasn't for his his lineage, he would have got thrown out. He graduated 279th out of like 290. That that's usually not the people, and then you know, and he becomes a pilot and everything else, right? But what if it's this energy, you know, if you're right here, right? Well, you have your mom and dad, right? But then they have their mom and dad. I'm not, I'm not drawing good pictures, right? But this matrix just keeps going. And you're the sum total of all that. And I'll, and what we do know about some genetics is maybe it skips a generation. Right? I have blonde hair, blue eyes. My sister has blonde hair, blue eyes. Excuse me. I don't know if I forgot to turn this Uh. But my dad had dark hair. You know, his side of the family looks American Indian. You know, with the high cheekbones, jet black hair, and the dark eyes. In fact, all my uncles on that side look that way, you know. Um, so we don't know. Yeah. So what if it's this intergenerational trauma that you could heal your trauma that might be mainly from your parents, right? But what if they got passed down, and then it came down farther? And when you look at our country here in the states, uh, we're a nation of immigrants, are we not? In Canada. Right. It's like people were from all over and usually they didn't leave the best situation. Right. America has a huge Irish population. Why? Because they were literally starving to death in the fields in Ireland. Right. So they got on the boat and they came here. Did they, could that trauma be in there? Right. Um, a lot of, you know, and the other big thing in the American population is um, American Indian kind of runs through a lot of people, just because of what it is. But if you look at the American Indian, if this is back here, let's see. These uh, these people showed up and destroyed our way of life and basically murdered three quarters of us, huh? Could I could could trust issues be passed down the genetic pool? You know, but it's for your own good. We're gonna and heck, you know, here in the states and Canada, it's only it was only. In fact, I think it's just now changing. They they still took kids away from their parents, put them on, you know, put them in white people's school, and they couldn't speak the native tongue because it was for the best, right? So I mean, we we're seeing this stuff all the time. So you know, so maybe what we have to do is begin to think about ways to, you know, some of those shamanistic, shamanistic rituals that they do to heal that trauma, right, whatever that happens to be, you know, because uh, again, there was a, there's a, um, I'm, I'll talk about that next time, I don't want to keep going, so maybe this is where the glitch is, right, so yeah, you can kind of clear out your trauma, you can kind of work on this, but there might be other stuff sort of in your DNA that needs to be cleared out. Right? So that could be why why it's long-term stuck states. Right? Or repetition. You get to a certain point and then you draw. Right? You do this and then you draw. Right. I mean, does anybody, if not you, do you know people like that? They'll Get a good relationship going and blow it up. They'll bu- start building a business and then blow it up. They'll get in really good shape and then just quit, right? And again, it goes back to going back to those things. They know what to do; they're just not doing it. You know, I don't. I hear that a lot. I don't understand it. I really like to work out, and I love how I feel when I'm done working out. I don't know why I don't work out, right? Well, it could have been passed down in other ways, right? You, you. Don't waste your energy now. You know, there could be, you may need that energy later. So anyway, just so that could be why you're stuck, you know. And again, we got to work on this stuff at a a different level. So let me turn this down. And I will admit I have this, some of it. Like I've got a, they're over there. I got awards, right? Right. Generally, the more the I'm working on it. It was better this year because I got two this year. But I can go back. I remember one time I got a big award that I wanted, and my first response was, "Well, they must not have been able to get anybody else," right? Right. And I'd, like I'd be in a, I'd audition for a play when I was doing a lot of plays or even a film. It's like and I get the part. I'm like, huh, I wonder who turned it down. You know, and there and I've directed. So that may be true, but it's like rather than just celebrate getting it. So I'm I'm guilty of this, too. So. Anyway. Yeah, it's part of the imposter syndrome, you know, it could be and is that you know, where does that come from, you know, so I will stop the recording now. But if you have questions, reach out, you know, Friday, it depends when people see this. Uh, I'm doing a webinar on the, the uh, control the food. So uh, I'll talk more about that later. So anyway, let me stop the recording.